Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast. Here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. Draft weekend in the books. Probably a good thing it wasn't back here in Chicago. It was snowing and raining all day yesterday. Spring is a wonderful time of year. I'm Lars. Joining me today, the president of the Bills backers of Chicago, Sujit, is here. Hello, everybody. And the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton is also here. Good afternoon. So we got two brains sitting across the table from me that are <laughs> running on fumes right now. We just went through an exercise trying to name the first three round draft picks of the Buffalo Bills since 2007, and I think collectively they got three of them. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. It's a Sunday. So we're firing all cylinders here. We got six, eight new, eight new Bills to talk about. Uh, going into the weekend, we had an opportunity to take ten. We walked away with eight. Probably for the best, because all 10 of them certainly weren't making the roster. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Bills and Beers and subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already, gang. There's a lot to say about these guys and what it, sh- what it should tell us for where this team is headed in 2019. So let's not waste any more time. Our drinks are here. Here comes mine. It's got a sprig in it. Go Bills. So we're here at Replay. It's a bourbon arcade bar in the north side of Chicago, located in an, in a neighborhood called Andersonville. I'm a big fan. I chose this bar because it had a gluten Because you're a lesbian. Beer, yeah, also a lesbian neighborhood. I, uh, I chose this bar to record today because it, it supposedly had uh, the gluten-free IPA that I can have on draft. It does not. So now we're here. I thought it was going to be an empty bar, and it's actually kind of a, a brunch scene. There's kids all over the place. Uh, not, not, not the kind of environment we are used to, but we will persevere. The weakest-looking wings I've ever seen. That just arrived to me. Yeah, my just disgust. arrived. So the night started on Thursday with a couple of questionable picks ahead of the Buffalo Bills, which allowed the board to fall in their favor. And with the ninth overall, we had ninth overall pick. Ninth yep. overall, yeah. Ninth overall pick, we took Ed Oliver out of Houston. Gone was T.J. Hawkinson. I would have loved to seen him in a Bills uniform. I was really thinking about it. I was like, what would have happened if Hawkinson still would have been? I think it was a blessing in disguise that he was off the board at that point. I think that it was good, as a lot of people were saying leading up to the draft, that they were in a position where they didn't have a lot of needs and could just take a good player. And <clears throat> we watched what they did during free agency. We've now added what? 11 new offensive linemen, including yesterday, too. So it was unclear if they were going to also use the draft to continue to support Josh Allen. I think they did in some ways. Uh, I think if there would have been a more aggressive move for TJ Hawkinson, it would have been a signal that they still want to support him more. And I would have been okay with it. He came off the board right before we picked, so we didn't really have the option there. But I think... I think all signs point to they're pretty good with where the roster is right now, and they just let the board come to them. And they got a great player in Ed Oliver in doing so. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he was the best value pick there. I mean, I think even more so than TJ Hawkinstein. I think that, is that how you say it? Hockenstein? Stein? Whatever. It doesn't matter. He's not a Bill, so don't, know, don't worry about getting it yeah. right or wrong. Like, don't try and learn the other people's names. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, I think that Ed Oliver, you know, it was arguably some people were saying that he might be the best defensive player in the in the, in the the draft. So, I think that we got lucky with him coming down to us. I think that there's no way we would have picked um, Hawkinson if Ed Oliver was on the board. I think that that just makes sense. Now, the, on the I, d- I don't know about that. You don't know? I'm, I'm not. I'm. I th- a lot of people say that. I'm not so sure. I mean, I think there was also the idea that the, the t- it was a tight end heavy draft, right? So that you could get better talent I, later. I, I also think that I think that the Ed Oliver, and this is get, this is going to be can be taken in a way different from what I intended to mean, was a better value than Hawkinson. I think at nine though, Hawkinson is a nice to have. But he's a really nice to have, and I think they might have taken him because of like the dimension he could have added to the offense. But it would have been a nice to have. Whereas Oliver, great player at a position where Neat. we could use the help. Yeah. I, what I'm happy about is that we aren't going to have to belabor this conversation in the future by saying, "Oh, we could have had like Russell Wilson. Oh, we could have had Russell Wilson, or we could have had." Uh, the quarterback from Kansas City. Like, no, we could never have had Hawkinson because he was off the board, and it's we don't need to worry about it. Like, we don't need to feel like we missed on something. So I'm, I was very, very happy to actually see him come off the board right before we picked. Yeah, I mean, the big question is, did we miss on wide receivers, right? So that's the well, – I, I, I got McDermott more thoughts on that in a second. McDermott and Bean were also talking about the fact that, you know, they're like, no, we had wide receivers on the board. They just didn't fall when we were picking. But let's, right? come, let's come back to that because okay. – Let's not talk about Ed Oliver as not TJ Hawkinson because Ed Oliver is Ed Oliver and he seems like he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think comparisons to Aaron Donald are possible but not likely. Yeah, and just I, and, premature. And way premature. I also don't – like Aaron Donald I think was always just a absolute – Beast in the weight room too. I'm not sure Ed Oliver is yeah, no, quite at that level. He's, he's undersized. Yeah, is, is what they say about him. But so is Kyle Williams. Yep. Um, and you gotta love the fire and attitude of Ed Oliver, and how much he has already begun embracing Bills Mafia. Suge, I know you were loving his walk up. Yeah, to, I was loving the, the swag. I was loving the the singing, the dancing, the whole way up there. He immediately put, threw on some Bills Zubas. Uh, with that, I think Cassie lent him because I think you're <laughs> the only other person that has those still. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that he's going to be great. You know, I think that uh, they did talk about the fact that they will use him a little bit differently. They'll use him more to his position of strength, which is as that three technique, a penetrating lineman as opposed to. And, and I think that given the fact that he's sitting next to Star Latule, uh, is going to do wonders for him. So will Harrison Phillips back him up? I, I think that, yeah. I, so, I don't Harrison think that Fi- so Ed Oliver, Har- Harrison Phillips, and Justin Erb. And Philip Jordan Phillips, there Harrison, the Phillips brothers. Right, right. So Jordan I think that and Harrison. I I don't know who's our backup to star. That, right, that's that what I'm know. wondering too. Um, but so I, yeah, I mean, because he, he he did play a ton of the snaps, and he's just a you know he's a a gap filler, right? He just fills up bodies, right? Um, and, which should allow Ed Oliver, if he's as as predicted, uh, to be able to be penetrating, right? And I mean, with, um, Sal was talking about the fact that. The whole point of this now is that quarterback shouldn't be able to step up in the pocket. Right. You know, especially Tom Brady. Well, let's hear from your lips to God's ears. That brings us to our second round pick, 
that we didn't wait on that we traded up to go and get. Cody Ford, Cass, I know you're a big fan. I, I have nothing against the actual person that we picked. I think that he's got a lot of value in the fact that we got him. My biggest issue has been we just seem to be putting quantity to where I feel like we need quality. We, in the offseason, I feel like we just picked up almost every single offensive lineman You're that damn right was available. And which, which there's nothing wrong with, with that, but I, I, I don't see the plan. I don't see who's going where. I mean, even when they're talking, they're like, well, who's going to play what position? Like, I feel like that's still very much in question. See, I, but I think the plan is crystal clear. And I'm, I'm, I'm now speaking on behalf of Jeff. I, I'm actually not as invested in this as he was. But I, I do think the plan is clear. And I think if you're going to overhaul the offensive line, which obviously they are, might as well overhaul it. And in that case, like you do need quantity to get to the quality. And there's going to be a lot of trial and error leading up to week one, moving guys around. But like they, they now have enough bodies that they can be shuffling people around to figure out this is the best five we can put out there. Yeah, but do we have the time to be able to figure that out? And that's what I'm worried about because walking into game one in September, we better sure as hell have that figured out. I guess the one thing I can say to alleviate that is the, Cody Ford is the only rookie competing in there. It is, it is him and then four other veterans competing for starting spots so so last night um i was at an event and uh one of my co-workers boyfriends he's actually an offensive line coach in college and so i kind of posed this question to him i said hey we've got all these players you know what do you think and he's like the players actually don't really matter he goes the two most important factors is who's your coach who's your coordinator and actually who's the quarterback okay and why does the quarterback matter uh because the quarterback is calling the plays and is the one that kind of just quarterbacks the entire offense. Are, so, we, are we led to believe, though, that will be Mitch Morris's job? No, 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 because he said he was like, that's the reason why Tom Brady's good. Because Tom Brady, they've switched in and out his offensive line. All the time. All the time, right? Doesn't matter who's playing there. What matters is who the quarterback is. And and the Bills may have stepped into the trap of taking a Patriots offensive lineman, Ladarius Weddle or whatever his name. I mean, I can't, I can't Put, you put a gun to my head and ask me, one, how many offensive linemen have the Bills signed since March? I wouldn't be able to give you an accurate number. And if you told me to name five of them, I don't think I could because I've, I've, so much has been lost in the shuffle, and we're not following it that closely, even for podcast hosts. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, they did talk about this at the post-draft press conference where they said, you know, we have a lot of guys. The important thing is what they want, right? They wanted versatility so that Ty Naseki guy can play guard and tackle. He could potentially play on the left side, so he could back up Deion Dawkins as well. Um, they have these people, like some of the people, they're paying in free agent money, right? I mean, Mitch Morse isn't going anywhere, right? So that's the obvious thing. But if Cody Ford ends up being the best option at right tackle over Ty Naseki, then yeah, we're probably going to be overpaying Ty Naseki to play a backup role to Deion Dawkins. Or when Deion Dawkins is on his way out, you know, maybe Ty Naseki can take over there. Um, so I think that there, but there are, yeah, you're right. There are a ton of bodies, um, and they did talk about the fact that, you know, yes, we want to compete. We want the best people out there, the best five guys out there. But then it is important to, at some point, make a decision and start to gel. Yeah, I, and I think that there will be an opportunity to do that. Um, I don't know enough about this guy. They say he's a road grader. He's a nasty dude. I like that. I, you know, we've we've we took a couple of free agents. They said the same thing about. Which is great, which sort of 
helps bolster my theory about what they're looking at in the running game, which leads me to my first opportunity for a victory lap on this podcast. Not yet, not yet. I can I can start stretching my legs before I take my victory lap. The third round selection of Devin Singletary sure makes it seem like Shady McCoy on his way out, per what we said on this podcast six weeks ago and have been saying for quite some time. Because a guy who can just pick up yards, get bumped here and there, keep moving forward, and you think about the Patriots running backs, what do those guys do? They get the ball like every fifth play and just dive forward for 11 yards. That's what our run game's gonna turn into so long as the defense, the 11 guys on the other side of the ball have to cover 80 yards of the field with Josh Allen and, and John Brown and all of the other speedsters we have on the field, stretching them totally vertical. In comes Devin Singletary, a guy a lot of the pundits like quite a bit, and he has the things that I love to hear people say. And it's what Freddie had. It's patience, and it's vision, and it's balance. I would say that Freddie didn't have world-class athleticism, but he was a damn good running back because of his vision and his patience. Thurman Thomas was a world-class athlete, and he had vision, patience, and balance. And lo and behold, he's a Hall of Fame running back. I don't know what kind of athleticism Devin Singletary's got up his sleeve, but everything we hear about him, he's got vision, he's got patience, and he's got a ton of balance. And I'm loving the idea of this guy just squirting up the middle of the field while Frank Gore's pounding it, while TJ Yeldon's catching it out of the backfield. And it sure looks like it's curtains for our boy Shady. I mean, it does seem that way, especially to have that many people as free agent running brought backs. Brought in, right? and not to and mention not the r- foreign guy. The foreign? Yeah, we brought in like a British player who was a rugby oh, guy. Oh, that rugby yeah. guy. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I forgot about him. I, I, I would love to see, because, I mean, how many players do we have on the roster right now? Do well, we have, like, Marcus Murphy's still on the roster. Taiwan Jones is still on the roster. Like, my question's going to be, I, I feel like some of the people that we've brought in and signed in free agency, we're just going to also cut at some point. That's a good like, sign. Like, it's just really, really interesting to me that we're going out there, we're spending money, we're getting these players. Like, how are they going to make these decisions? I, I I, I just don't want to know what the criteria is for them to make the decisions on who they're going to keep, who they're going to cut. It, 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 they got a lot of work to do. They got a lot of work to do between. But it's a good problem to have. Is it the, not in the fifty-three man roster? I mean, it it beats trying to like piece together a roster. I mean, now we're just trying to weed guys out. It's it's a better stage in the process to be in for sure because at this time last year it was a skeleton crew. I mean, I think that the one thing is that, you know, we don't want to end up in salary cap hell. You know, we're in a very good salary. We worked really hard to get out of salary cap hell from um, whatever that last guy was. Um, but Doug I, Whaley? I, yeah, Doug Whaley. But I, I don't think that, um, you know, if there's anything that Bean has done, it, it seems like he's been disciplined. But I, I think there's a good point to talk about the fact that, hey, are we really going to be cutting players that we now owe dead money to? Um and ultimately, yeah, if it makes our football team better and we don't need them, then great. Suj, help us understand what the consequence of dead money is. So I think that the, the, the issue with dead money is that you just don't have the availability to re-sign your own players, right? The, the ones that are really good that you want to hang on to, um, you know, those are the people that end up walking. Like it's um, the, the, the classic example I remember was Antoine Winfield, right? Where who? Antoine Winfield. Okay. A long time ago, right? Just 
a great player, loved playing for the Bills. We loved him. It's just that at some point he came up for a contract and his money justified a much better a much better contract. And we didn't have the money to pay him that because we're sitting there because you sit there with dead money. And so I think that's my big fear for, for, for the dead money issue is that if we have a bunch of these little kind of crappy free agents that we sign to unreasonable amounts of money, um, you know, th- that we'll, we'll be stuck with that issue three, four years down the road. Now, th- there was one NFL executive, right, that, uh, I think when people did a survey of, of, of how people did in free agency, most people were happy with what the Bills did, but I guess apparently one NFL free uh, NFL executive said, I don't really see the plan for the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, you know, you have all these things that you want to do, but you sign Ty Naseki to, to big money because you're not going to be able to do them because you're paying him too much. And so, I mean, who knows? Maybe they're either going to look brilliant or they're going to look like fools. You know, I mean, it's... I, I, a lot would have to go wrong for them to look foolish. A lot less would have to go, go right for them to look brilliant. And a part of that's the numbers game. They have signs, but they had so much cap room this year. I mean, the other, the wor- the the flip side of this is, the, is to be like the Jets and have all this cap room, and then not get the guys you want. I mean, they missed out on um, parodies. They missed out on uh, the guy that jo- Josh Allen jumped over at a at a Minnesota. So, yep. I mean, the, the Bills took their shots and got their guys. Yeah, and. I think from my perspective, it's do these guys become trade bait as well? Like, are, I think are, are Shady trade- still is. I think that's what I've always been saying about Shady is that they've, they've couched the response about him in the language of he's in our plans. That doesn't mean he's going to be your running back. Yep. That means, like, we think we can get something out of him, and that could be a seventh-round pick in 2022. Exactly. Like, do are we able to, like – are they doing this to also load up on future draft picks? I, I don't know. I mean, with all these players, I just hope that there's we're just not going to just start cutting people. I'm glad you brought that up, and that today's the perfect day to talk about it. And it's, we're not going to sit here and give you the hot takes and the, the three-cone drill times for all of this year's draft because we, quite frankly, don't care. And, and don't know them. And don't know that much. <laughs> but one thing I have observed is how this team values draft picks. So you say, like, load up for draft picks. Load up to do what? Because we went into the weekend with 10 picks. We walked in with eight players. Every year, they have traded up. Yeah. Yep. Every year, they have stockpiled fourth and fifth round picks and used them to trade up. So you say that, Cass. This team only cares about the first three rounds. That's my Thank general you. impression. That sure seems to be the case, doesn't it? And yet we have managed to find Milano and Taron Johnson both in the fifth. And, you know... We will have an opportunity to preemptively name the the Taron Milano uh, Day Three gem later in the podcast today. We've got a couple nominees, obviously, but Suge, that was exactly the thought that I had. These guys only care about the first three rounds, and if you are looking at building a roster, that's how it should be. I I get that, but I think this day and age, and especially this year, this was the sentiment across the board was there was value in day three. The difference between round one, round, sorry, midway through round one through round five was very minuscule. That uh, the, the gap between these really good players is starting to close. So I, I wonder if anybody has done like a statistical analysis. I'm gonna use like analogous terminology here, but here's how I'm, here's how I'm patient. You tell me if you agree. So great, you can find value 
in rounds four through seven. Yep. But every pick that comes off the board, the bullseye gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It doesn't matter what position, doesn't matter what player, the probability it, that he's going to be a good player gets less and less. I'm guessing. I don't know. This is why I would like to see uh, some kind of mathematical study to determine this. So the question then becomes, would you ha rather have three shots at a big bullseye or six shots at a small bullseye? And it sure seems like this, this franchise would rather have three shots at a bigger bullseye. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, you just you're gonna put all your ducks, <laughs> bullseyes, ducks, whatever. We're at a carnival now. Um, but shooting, you're gonna, shooting yeah, metaphors. Right, exactly. You're gonna put all your ducks into the probability that your higher picked pay, uh, players are going to be good. And if that means not getting a Teron Johnson once in a while, that's okay. Um, I mean, Teron Johnson was really good, but he's not like so far not a game changer. He's also not irreplaceable. Right, exactly. And so, I mean, I think that he. Matt was Milano, a, on the other hand. Right, right, right. And, and I mean, but, you know, have some faith. These guys also did pick people in those later rounds that, you know, heck, we got that UB quarterback as a backup, you know, yeah. as a free agent. To learn at the knee of Derek Anderson. Right? I mean, I, heck, you know, I mean, there's there's people that are that How can be is he gonna be? Are we going to go into the year of four quarterbacks? I don't I, know. I, Derek I know, Anderson, Matt Barkley. I know Barkley. Exactly how we're going to do it. So. Oh, go. I, I mean, I think it's going to become the same thing that happened this past year. Derek Anderson, I don't think, is going to play ever. I think he's go becoming more of like the leader, the, the coach, quarterbacks coach. Yeah, the co glorified quarterbacks coach. And I think we're gonna keep this guy. I mean, he's he'll start on the practice squad, but by the end of the year, him and they're not. They didn't seriously bring him in to be a quarterback for the Bills, did they? They did it because it's a hometown story to throw the kid I a bone. Because nobody thought he, thought he was gonna go undrafted. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I, don't, I, I, mean, I think they see some value. I'm not. It's it's seventy five thousand dollars, right? Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> who cares? Um, I mean, I will say, though, the Bills probably spent more on that printing paper and, for their war room. Can, can the Pagoulas uh, write that off as a tax you know, donation? Yeah, yeah charitable, charitable, charitable donation. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, the question, though, a lot of his skill set is similar to Josh Allen's skill set, right? And, and a lot of his weaknesses are similar to Josh Allen's weaknesses. Um, I think he doesn't have the I'll mobility. That. Um, but it still might be interesting to see that in developing Josh Allen, do you by by proxy also develop Tyree Jackson? I mean, it's and like then the if he does do something, could you get a second or third round draft pick for not not second or third, but could you get a fifth round draft pick? Yeah, for him, I, right? I, I thought I thought that maybe we're drafting this guy to get a draft pick. Or right, but then again, him. we didn't draft. You him. think no because nobody drafted him. So, but if he does, but we didn't draft him. No, I know, I know. What I'm saying is that I don't oh, know that somebody going, Why would you? Now? Yeah, um, he would have to. He'd have to perform, right? Josh I, I Allen like the idea of a guy who is completely unlike Josh Allen uh, as the backup, because I, I sort of like that, like fire and ice. You know, if something were to happen to Josh Allen, you know, it increases your probability the second week because now the team has to prepare for something unlike anything they've seen on tape. So I sort of like that about Matt Barkley being number two. But, yeah, okay, dra drafting Tyree Jackson because he's similar to Josh Allen. It's like the Patriots drafting a quarterback in 2004. I mean, to what end? I mean, I unless unless Tyree Jackson has aspirations of being a career backup, which maybe that's all he's good for. But I think you're right. Best case scenario is we get, like, a fourth, fifth-round pick for him someday. So going back to your – that, we'll, that we'll use the bundle and trade up in the second exactly. round. Exactly. But going back to your bullseye, so I think the Bills are a little bit in the middle. 
Because I feel like they think the value is, yeah, in the first round, whatever. I think they find the value in the second and third round. Right. Hence, those are the ones that we really traded up into. Well, there's also a cost thing, thing there, too, because you, you it, they, 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 they are less expensive players. Correct. It's exponentially more cost efficient to trade up into the second and third rounds than the first. When you're still getting a top 100 player. Correct. Yeah. So I, I, I think I like that strategy. And, and there I'm like, yeah, load up on fourth, fifth, sixth round picks so that you can use those to bundle to move up within the second round. I, I, I think it's brilliant. I like, I like the idea of doing that with your first round pick, though, too. Yeah. But I, we'll have to see how this plays out. I mean, wh where do they draft when they, they – to, 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 to get out of – was it 11 to 27 for Patrick Mahomes, something like that? I'm wondering if, if, this, 10, right? if this team finds itself in that 15 to 25 range – if they're like eager sellers to get out of the first round, because I'd rather have two first round, two second, second round picks yep. than one first round pick well, at that value. Especially if you can pick up one of the early second round picks, you know, like if you can, somebody else wants to get, they already picked in the first round. They want to get back into the first round. You're like, sweet. I'll take your early second round. Pick. Yeah. I mean, and, it's, and your fourth round pick that yep. I'll bundle and trade to get into the second round for the third time. So like, speaking of trading up, we did trade up again in the in the third round to take Dawson Knox, Dawson Creek, something like that. Some 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 name that sounds completely made up. Uh, so I, that's a really curious pick to me. I, 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 everyone was everyone is saying that hey, this guy was sitting behind two world class wide receivers um, in it's DK and DK and, and John and someone Brown, Kareem or Hakeem Butler. Hakeem Butler, really? something like that. I don't know. Anyways, so there, that he was sitting behind two great players, but he had very little production, you know. And to me, it's like, okay, but is he really that good? That I mean, I understand that those wide receivers uh, were good players, but those wide receivers didn't go in the first round, or most of them didn't, right? D DK Metcalf didn't go in the first round, and so was he really that good? That how many he people thought DK Metcalf for the Bills at nine, and he went in the third round? Was he all the way down to the third? I didn't even yeah. see when he finally got picked. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what I don't understand is that, okay, if this tight end was well, Everybody that saw the good, guy with his shirt off and saw him run like right. the wind and like, oh, he must be a great football player. Right, right. I mean, the person that I'm bummed about was Nikhil Harry going to the Patriots, yes. right? Agreed. That was a, a solid, solid player. But I guess my point with the with the tight end is that everyone's saying, oh, he, the reason he didn't have that much production is because he was sitting behind these great wide receivers. But then these great wide receivers didn't even make it into the first round. Well, I, I don't I don't think that's an apples-to-apples -apples comparison, college to pros. I yeah. also, from what I gather about this guy, having just heard of him for the first time yesterday— is that he's probably going to be more of a project player. He seems very athletic uh, for the position, and he's going to be a quarterback too. And, yeah, and well, he was a, he a was backup a quarterback. quarterback yeah, I know, that's he? what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. He's going to so, throw back. But he's a smart player like that. Who, who's the guy that was a tight end that was our backup quarterback? Like our Logan Thomas. Yeah, Logan Thomas. Yeah. So. Logan Thomas, who I think had like the second fastest ball velocity his pro day behind Josh <laughs> Allen, something like that. Uh, Tyree Jackson somewhere on that list too, by the way, but. It's an interesting pick because they traded up for him, which means they, they must really like him, but there's not a lot of other people feeling that love. And tight end still strikes me as a pretty thin position. Tyler Croft is not going to set the world on fire. I sort of like some of the stuff that Kroom did last year quite a bit. So, I, I, I mean... That we picked up two tight ends in the draft, right? And then we have three that were on Wait, our we roster. we picked up two tight ends? Yeah, we picked up number s our s round seven pick. Oh, Tommy Sweeney. Sweeney, Boston College. Yeah. 
So that's that's a total. What's what's the guy who used to start all the brawls? Come on, help me out, mm. big dude. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, big white guy. Ah. Uh, come on. Oh God. Think, think. Like out of Nebraska, right? Come on. Like, oh God. Come on. I got Ryan Denny stuck in my head, but it's basically <laughs> no. the Ryan Denny yeah. of tight ends. Yeah, exactly. Um, so here's the thing. So we have five tight ends, right? How many do you normally carry on your roster? Three, maybe. Three, Three. maybe four. So we all know that Kroom dates Pagula's <laughs> daughter. I think we broke that oh, on this podcast, right. didn't we? Right? I think it's going to be so interesting that you have five tight ends. Kroom is probably right now looking like potentially odd man out. No, I don't think... I, 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 I think that actually Kroom has done really good things. I think he is the definition of what these guys want to do, which is get a person in, develop them in your system, you know, let them, let them, you know. Flourish. Oh, he's in the system, all right. <laughs> Lee Smith. Yes. Lee Smith. Lee Smith. That was that the little um, son of a bitch. Um, but so, but I think Kroom stays. I think that um, I think that the three will be the this guy, the the new kid, Dawson Knoxes. They'll give him time to develop. Lars is ordering some weird shit. Lars just ordered a Chardonnay. Okay, I don't know. Sauvignon Blanc, I'll have you know. That's even worse. Um, But anyways, but I think that it's this new kid, this Dawson Knox. I don't think that the seventh round pick makes the roster. I think he goes on the practice squad or something like that. I think he's a uh, a throwaway pick, um, as as all most seventh rounders are. or maybe they they want to change his position. Like maybe they, I don't even know anything about this Tommy Sweeney. So let me let me back up for a second. I had another prediction yesterday that they would take a kicker. Wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. So we're, we're he's, ro- he's so surprised. We're, That's the great thing about Lars. Lars makes these wild. <laughs> these why is wild it so wild? And What's then, his face? Almost and then, his leg broke off. And then last all of a sudden, it's just like I can't believe they didn't do it. He was shanking ducks from like thirty-eight yards. Do you guys not remember the end of last year? It's his wife's fault. Yes. I totally blame her, too. Um, and I guess we're going to roll with uh, Corey Bohorque. <laughs> I don't think we got any guys in the undrafted period either. So, um, so yeah, tight end, Lottie freaking dot. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the day three guys in a second here. Uh, so, But let's talk briefly about the wide receiver position. Real quick, before we leave um, the running back situation, um, so the one thing I wanted to say, you know, you made comparisons to Fred Jackson about vision and things like that, and his top speed was not that high. I think he ran like a four Correct. six four forty. Six, yeah. But what everything that I've read about him is that he has quickness. You know, he did has you watch quick, any of those no, highlights? No, I know, I know, and he has quickness. So it's not about top speed. You know who he looks you like, know? and I think either Sal or Chris Brown tweeted a comparison to him, and then watching him, the Maurice Jones drew. He's a he's a little smaller and a little quicker version of Travis Henry. Oh, interesting. Give me that all day long. I love Travis Henry. See, I think of Travis Henry as more of a bruiser, but maybe not. And Travis Henry, I think, was like, if I was to look at it, I think Travis Henry is the most productive running back we've had in the 21st century. I think in 2003, he went for like 1,300 yards, and I don't think we've had a running back come anywhere close to that. LaShawn may have gotten to 12 at one point. Didn't Cassie have uh, a picture where she was claiming that she was Travis Henry's The mother of Travis Henry's kid? I was just going to say, you might be right. He was the most productive, right? He had nine children by nine different (laughs) wives. Yeah. Nailed it. Okay, so wide receiver. Yes, passed on Metcalf. Passed on a lot of guys. Um, But we also signed... Cole Beasley, John Brown in the offseason. Robert Foster looking good. They, Lest we forget, Zay Jones was our leading receiver last year. Okay, so there's four guys. Isaiah McKenzie did pretty well last year. Lest we forget, 
the name that was brought back up after the Bills passed and everybody and suspicions abound, they must really like this guy they got from Canada, the second coming of Duke Williams, who, by the way, the original Duke Williams came up at work because something was happening with a Walmart tweet, Mia Khalifa said something about him. And I said, oh, Mia Khalifa. And everybody's like, oh, laugh, laugh, laugh. Oh, Lars knows all about a porn star. I was able to quickly cover my tracks and, <laughs> and pivot to the fact that it's like, oh, no, 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 she, she put a Buffalo Bill on blast for trying to slide into her DMs. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, no, let me send you a link. Off the hook. Uh, second, second coming of Duke Williams. Big dude, fast dude, most productive wide receiver, granted in the CFL, but between him, Isaiah McKenzie, Robert Foster, Zay Jones, Cole Beasley, John Brown, I mean, the assumption's got to be he's our big body wide receiver. And I, what I don't understand. Why do though, we need a big body wide receiver? I don't know. I think that, well, and that's what they is, were saying. Is it, like, the whole thing is like we've evolved away from that because they realize, yeah, Josh Allen doesn't really, like, Kelvin or, or, Benjamin or your not tight end out. is that person. Get him your a, tight end is exactly. that person, right? So, that's why I but, wanted TJ Hawkinson, but yes. But I guess yes. the only thing is, okay, I, I get that, you know, maybe they, you know, what they said is that they had wide receivers on their board. They had speed guys, they had big guys, they had people that we thought could help the team. But they said, when we were picking, we had someone of higher value at that point. My question is about, again, going back to Dawson Knox. So if if Dawson Knox, you know, if he was worth trading up for, we traded up for him, yes. right? Then was he worth trading up for more so than trading up to get, say, DK Metcalf or one of these other wide receivers? I guess that's the, you know, we, obviously, we traded that's what I'm up saying. to They're get obviously a, okay with the wide receiver room. And that includes Duke Williams. But we no, but we they they're not because they traded up to get a tight end. Oh, I guess if you count, you're not counting the tight end as you're talking no. that's some completely it's very separate. Very specifically, wide okay. receiver. They're good on. Yeah, I I I don't know. I don't get it. But I, I think you make a great point. They that again, sort of reinforces mine. They're obviously okay at wide receiver because they were more than willing to trade up when wide receivers were available. Well, and what they said is that, you know, we were we really followed our board. So I, I don't even think it's that they thought that they're, they're okay with wide receiver because I don't think that they were really going purely based on need. But I think that they really just did not value those wide receivers that were there. Um, I think that they said that, you know, at this point, it's more worth it to trade up and get that tight end, Dawson Knox, rather than the star-wide receivers that limited that tight end's production. It's, it's certainly worth considering. I mean, I, Lars, I think you're dead on by saying we don't. they don't feel the need to have a big wide receiver. And because it's based on Josh Allen. So what they're doing is trying to find the right players that fit together and giving Josh Allen the right tools that they think he needs. I, I, I love it. I, I'm okay with our wide receivers, right? I, I like who they picked up. And Beasley and Brown, like, I, I, not drafting a wide receiver, I'm, I'm actually very okay with. And the other thing too is having a bunch of B to B plus, maybe even a couple B minus wide receivers out there means that nobody's really getting the focus. So you kind of have to like evenly distribute coverage and attention across the whole, across the entire core, whoever's on the field. And if you're coming out with four guys at wide receiver, that opens up the middle of the field for guys like Frank Gore and Devin Singletary to make one guy miss and pick up 15 yards. And the other thing, you mentioned red zone. This goddamn running back we have scored, what, 52 touchdowns in college? Or 32 touchdowns in one year? The dude, again, because of the patience and vision thing, inside eight yards just gets, just picks up touchdowns like they're Tic Tacs. So... 
that is a red zone weapon. When you have a guy like that, that you like, okay, we're gonna spread the field out. You got to account for all these players one on one. But now there's less players in the box for this little tiny quick guy to just go doot, 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 and walk into the end zone. And and what I love about this is it's giving Josh Allen the opportunity because it's it's even across the board. He doesn't have uh, Antonio Brown who's going to be like chirping, being like, "I need my catches, I need my right. my, my targets." It's allowing Josh Brown to evenly or Josh Brown. Uh, Andre, it begins. Or, God damn it. Um, Josh Allen, Jesus, to look across and find the right player, the open player, target who he wants rather than feeling the pressure of, I got to go after this guy because he's telling me he wants his targets. I, I love it. It's giving Josh Allen the control of the offense. Very well said. I want to take a quick break here and get into the Taryn Milano Day 3 Gem Award next. In summation, last year the draft was a friggin' heart attack <laughs> because we staked the entire future on Josh Allen. And leading up to the draft, it was the entire future on a quarterback to be named. We saw enough of Josh Allen that we feel pretty comfortable with it. And this year has been much more laid back. And we don't know if it's gonna work out or not, but we are in a great position right now to just sit back and let's see how this goes. And they didn't do anything to say that we're in panic mode or they're doing something that nobody thought that they would do. Everything has been pretty much predictable by the book. And now we're just in, all right, let's see how this works. What I, I don't know if you guys saw it, but on Instagram, one of the guys is like, the Bills are quietly building something in Buffalo, in Western New York. And it, it, it is. It's nothing, it's nothing, wow, big signing, it's not, it's, it's quietly happening. Well, subscribers to Bills and Beers know that it hasn't been that quiet <laughs> so long as we've been talking about it. Let's take a quick break and talk about other stuff. Day three gems. Boop, boop. Lars's wine doesn't quite clink as I much as that. One guy we already mentioned, Tommy Sweeney. I, I don't think that he is going to turn out to be the gem of day three. I hope I'm wrong, but I, he just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who is good. In order for, to be the, the Taron Milano day three gem award winner at tight end, this dude's going to need like seven touchdown receptions this year, and I don't see that happening. So I'm eliminating him. And the three guys we haven't yet talked about, Joseph Johnson and Johnson. Voshan Joseph, Jaquan Johnson, and Daryl Johnson. Voshan. One, because his name is Voshan. Two, because he's got that speed, and I think that was a big part of what made Milano so exciting. Okay. That was that his ability to you know, cover tight ends, cover Rob Gronkowski if he was still around. You know. So um, are, are you I thinking think that, that he is the heir apparent for Lorax? Interesting. Uh, potentially. I mean, this guy, it's a, the, the big thing with, I mean, I could also see him going over as a safety. So he's super, super fast. Um, he's agile, but he's big. So, you know, like kind of that hybrid role, linebacker safety, that type of thing, where they use him in coverage. They use him to um, to, to, to cover the athletic tight ends. Uh, so I think that he's going to be our gem. And I think that, you know, when Milano needs a breather, that's who's going to go in. So you say that, but safety's a pretty crowded field. And this Jaquan Johnson guy, Jaquan, Jaquan, 
That's my diamond in the rough. That's your diamond in the rough? Yeah, yeah because here's the thing. He's coming in to a, a very crowded field, right? So he's going to be back up under Poyer and Hyde and... Raphael Bush. Bush, uh, Ciaran, or, uh, Ciaran Neal. Ciaran Neal, right? So he's going to get trained. He's going to have the opportunity to be under some pretty, like, star veterans to pick up, you know, the ropes. He's going to be taught the ropes under some pretty strong people. I feel like this is also a position that we always are injury prone. And so he's totally. going to get an opportunity in, like, week five or six or whatever and we're going to be like, holy hell, where did this guy come from? Wow, so, so diamond in the rough. So he Miami in tackles two straight years. So this is like a, this is like a cleanup crew kind of guy. Yeah, who, who is he's the Jerry's Bird. He's going to have a Jerry's Bird season. Wow. Really? Jerry's Bird, Jerry's was Bird had like seven interceptions. Pretty high. Pretty high. And then did nothing for the rest of his career. So my question here is, is the purpose of this kid that when Poyer and Hyde come on contract... They're going to get paid a shit ton of money, and we're not going to be able to afford that. Well, we have both of them locked up for another couple of years. No, a couple of years, right, but by that time, this kid may be developed, right? So that's my hope. The one thing I really liked about what McDermott said about him, it was McDermott or Bean, I can't remember, um, was that he's not going to jump off the charts in you know at the combine. His numbers, you know, his measurables, they're not going to be that. But that when the pads are on is when he's going to shine. That's exactly what I want to hear. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't need a person that's just a... And that's the definition of a diamond in the rough, right? That's probably what Milano was, right? It wasn't that his numbers were amazing. It's not that this or that. Um, but it's that that when, when it comes time to play football, that that guy is a baller. Um, now, I will say that the, um, the Voshan guy, uh, one thing I've heard is that the reason that he fell so far was because of the fact that he couldn't run a 40. Uh, he had an injury that prevented him from... I undisciplined in coverage. Well, that may be true, uh, but we're going to crack that so whip. Sort of, sort of blows a giant hole in your theory, if that's the case. But well, yes, that. But may we be true. also have no idea what we're talking about. So right, uh, but I think that it, they were saying that if he if he had ran a forty, then you know, put, and had gotten that number on time or uh, that number on record, uh, that he would have gone a lot higher. So maybe there was a good value there. That's why I, I'm excited. I want to see some speed at the linebacker. Well, so I'm actually going to so, and we'll, and we'll and we'll come back to this at the end of the year. And, and crown one if 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 warranted and and after and after the you know the the preamble to this I really hope it's Tommy McSweeney, but it's totally going to be McSweeney. Is it McSweeney or just Sweeney? Who, it's it's McSweeney. Doesn't it sound like? Matters. I mean, for somebody that likes to mick everything, I'm going with McSweeney, but it's just Sweeney. Um. So, but let's talk about Daryl Johnson. I'm going to go Daryl Johnson just because Matt Milano from Boston College, not exactly linebacker university. Taryn Johnson from Weber State, you know, best known Weber. for their bas- ba- basketball exploits. Daryl Johnson comes to us from North Carolina A&T. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, not known for much outside of their, you know, their, their, their farming technologies that they've had immense breakthroughs on in the last couple of years. What position? Um, yeah, North Carolina A and T. Is that agricultural and technology? What does A and T mean? I just made agriculture and technology. I'm going yeah, with it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The vertical yeah. farming. Like I said, Daryl Johnson, because he came from a no-name school, so he's a little bit of a flyer, and we seem to do pretty well, guys like that. But also because, unlike the two guys you mentioned, there is an opportunity to come in and be the pass rusher. Opposite Jerry Hughes instead of Jerry Hughes because Jerry Hughes can't do it all by himself and still continue to play at the exceptionally high level that he has been. 
But between Trent Murphy and Shaq Lawson, like, I don't know. They're, we're not that great opposite Jerry Hughes. So Daryl plays his cards right, works his little tail off hard enough. It could be his spot to lose. I, I do have this question. How are we feeling on comfort level of Milano actually being able to come back? I, I have no reason to believe he can't. Why? Why would he not come back? He like broke his foot or something. It was a ba- whatever it was. It was a bad, bad. injury. Huh. But it was bad. But he also like sat up on the field. Like it was one of those like he wasn't writhing on the on the field. Or he wasn't passed out cold. He like sat up, raised his hand, and be like I'm really injured. Somebody please come get me. Yeah, this is a tough dude. That's why. He's a tough dude. I think actually more importantly, and um, I should probably make myself responsible for doing this. Um, Whose wife is pregnant? Anyone? Should we do a little? I should probably do some recon to figure out who's going to be our bummer of the year based on the Jeff Day. Jeff you know, Day. The, the well, isn't that the whole? Isn't that the whole thing with Jerry Hughes? Right? He's got a kid. Yeah, now. that's that's yeah. the whole. Yeah, right. that's, 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 that's that's why that's you the think Jeff that Day he's, postulate is right. the. Uh, I got to figure out who's 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 prego. All right. Well, you heard it here first. We have uh, three nominees. All three of the guys outside Tommy McSweeney. Boshan for the Beauchamp, for the Milano. Beauchamp. No, the Ter- the Terran Milano Day Three Gem Award. So we'll see. See you at the end of the year. Come back on the other side with a little wild card action. Carlos Williams. Well, we're coming up on the end of the episode, which means it's time for the wild card portion of today's episode. It's the wild card! This is Bills and Beers. For the most part, we talk about the Bills and drink beer. As I mentioned up top, we came to replay here in Andersonville because they had the Glutenberg IPA available, and then we arrived and they did not. So I haven't been drinking beer. I started off the recording today with a little pamplemousse. What is a pamplemousse? Pamplemousse is a uh, beef eater gin, St. Germain, fresh grape juice, fresh lemon juice, and basil. That was the sprig. Not grape juice, grapefruit juice. Yes, of course. I'm not a nine-year-old. Uh, I do like grape juice. And I followed that up with a little Sauvignon Blanc because I'm still not allowed to have gluten, probably not until sometime around the 4th of July. Uh, let's consult about this. I want to learn more about what's happening with you later, okay? Let's have a little side consult. I have an endoscopy tomorrow. Endoscopy. Oh, tomorrow. An oh. And if all clear. Did you have one? Just I a did. Couple- so nuts and fish are back on the menu. And if nice. I'm clear tomorrow, it's soy and eggs, baby. Ooh, very and Then nice, gluten very and then dairy. So the podcast is now going to be called Bills and Beers, and we're we'll putting an asterisk by it and be like, except for Lars. Bills, <laughs> Bills and Beers and GI advice. <laughs> What's our wild card about, guys? Well, why don't you tell us what beer you were drinking first, Suge? I'm drinking High Lie uh, because, as an aside... If uh, I may, I don't like that beer. Well, I don't really and care they, what you think. And they, right? they, have it, they have it at the station, too. First of all, how dare you, okay? Second of all, it is a gorgeous citra-flavored IPA that Cassie would never, ever, ever like. But I'm surprised that you don't like it because usually we have relatively similar tastes when it comes to IPAs. Um, but he does not like it. He's shaking his head. It is delicious. It's from Cigar City. They're from Florida, and I think that's going to be relevant yes. be, uh, to our wild card today. And speaking also relevant, is it super hot in here or is it mid? Yeah. It was really hot, at least okay, when I walked I'm wearing here. a long sleeve under this sweatshirt, and I'm baking right now. Cass, I know you had a little something golden and crisp. Uh, well, can we just say it's the excitement of the year? We're coming upon summer. The fresh, crisp beers are all going to be out. I'm very excited because on their menu was a Kolsch. 
it's called Solomon Oath New, which I think is god awful name for Kolsch. I don't I don't get it. It's like a, a new with from like a Germanic language. I have no idea. Um, but Kolsch season is upon us, and I am excited. And if you ever get a chance to try the Solomon Oath New Lou whatever, I would say definitely give it a try. Number twenty three, Suj, on the menu here. So, Suj, a uh, little uh, foreshadowing there to today's wild card. One thing we did not discuss today, Josh Rosen enters the AFC East. So, three top ten quarterbacks from the 2018 draft. Yeah, I mean, the 2018 draft. Uh, 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 once they put Cleveland into our in the AFC East and they get rid of the Patriots. Where they should be? Yeah. Um, and, well, if Cleveland's in, then Miami's out. But, anyways, Josh Rosen in. But lest we forget, Josh Rosen has to beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the who, was, Rifle. who has never not started for a team he played for. He invariably will start a game for the Dolphins, and maybe it's because he wins the job, probably because Josh Rosen gets injured or butthurt or both. Uh, question for you guys is, Ryan Fitzpatrick always nipping at the heels of the younger, more talented quarterbacks, of these, you know, he did it to the guy in Tampa. What's his face? Winston. Yeah. Uh, took over for Drew Locker or what? Not Drew Locker, but uh, Jake Locker in in, in, in Tennessee. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick did. Oh yes. Jesus, I don't remember uh, that. He he literally cost Trent Edwards his job. What about in, in Houston? Was, was he there yeah, when uh, Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson was there. Negative. Okay. Uh, so when it comes to people who are just like can't seem to get out of the way and let people be successful. How is this manifested in your life? Who's your Ryan Fitzpatrick? Who's the person standing between you and glory? Who's the person that gets all the attention and you're just sitting there waiting your turn, wishing this person wasn't there so you could look like a superstar like you should? Cass, we'll start with you. Somebody other than Jay. Uh, probably myself. Oh, oh, get out of here. I don't know. I, I feel like what's I'm, your, I'm my what's worst What's your greatest enemy. weakness? I um, try too hard. I care too much. I don't know if I care too much. I do try too hard. Um, well, that's because I have to try hard. I might not be the smartest person out there, but I got a lot of try in me. Um, no, I'm. you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back to uh, soccer. Right? I would have to say my senior year of high school, there was a girl out there. She was she was the best. She was, she was better, you know, very very good player, right? And always just got all the limelight, the attention, the blah blah blah. Got drafted to a D1 school, you know, X Y and Z. Fast forward to four years uh, later, graduating from college, I graduated as a D1 soccer player. She graduated as. I don't know. She quit soccer two but years later. in this later. scenario, you won. I won. Well, but that, that you makes sense. You always win. That means you, the Fitzpatrick. Yeah, no, but but, but no, the, the point is is that Ryan Fitzpatrick always loses his job by the end of the thing, right? Oh, okay. So he, like, starts off super hot, is amazing, and then something oh, all hell breaks loose, and then that's good. Lars, you go next because I still have no idea. So when I was a child, uh, my mom's college roommate, from West Virginia. My mom went to Marshall. She was actually a student at Marshall, a junior the year of the plane crash that killed the football team. 
Uh, her roommate stayed in Huntington and lives there now. And her roommate had a son about my age named Bart. <laughs> this is great. And Bart was about my height and size, also blonde hair, blue-eyed kind of kid, also really into basketball like me, but he was a lot better than me. And he was a little bit taller than me. And he was a little bit smarter than me. And he was just a little bit better than me at everything. And Bart's dad, and his name was Bart, which, you know, like, is kind of like the bizarro Lars, in a way. Coming from someone named Lars, Lars and Bart. Lars and Bart. And I hated this kid. And not for me, he's probably a cool kid. I was just, like, terribly envious of him. And they came up to visit once. We took a day and went to Niagara Falls. And, like, in every picture, Bart has, like, this like frown on his face and I have like the most shit-eating grin on my face and if you look down it's because I'm stamping on his foot (laughs) in every picture I'm like seven okay I hated this guy but the pinnacle of envy came when Bart's father a photographer had a connection who called him up because he knew he was in town and said hey Michael Jordan is here in town and he's about to play golf would you and your son like to walk with him There was no greater white kid Michael Jordan fan on the planet than me. And we got all of these pictures in the mail of goddamn Bart hanging out with Michael Jordan on the golf course. One of which sat in our living room next to the television and everybody actually thought it was me. Because like I said, Bart and I kind of looked alike. And I'd have to explain to people, no, that's not actually me, but yes, that is Michael Jordan. I think Bart ended up going to like UVI. I think I think I may have fibbed about the, the smarter hell is UVI? thing, like uh, or, or VMI. Um, I think I may have fibbed about the Military smart thing. Kid? He may have had like a learning disability, so what? like that's that's where like it comes into like, ha! So you said like one has. So to be Lars Lars just spent the last ten minutes making fun of a retarded kid. <laughs> that's not the right way to say it. It's not a challenge. Right that's it. not the right way to say it. It wasn't that bad. How actually, dare I, you? I kind of want to Facebook let's, this clown. Let's, let's also say that uh, Bart, that Lars is an only child. So, so is Bart. You, 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 so is Bart. Oh, so is Bart. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're not even as good at being I mean, an only talk, child. You want to talk about an immovable force that meets an unstoppable object, or you know, however that goes. Like that was that was Bart v. Lars. And I, but I think in the end, again, I graduated college a D1 athlete. I got three degrees. I have built my career. I don't know what he's doing. I'm going to Facebook him right now. I really hope he has like a double PhD. Yeah, I know, like, right? Oh, like oh, looks like, oh, oh, that's, oh, of course, right? No, he was the speechwriter for Obama. No, I'm just making all that. Okay. No. Um, I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, but no, this little shit was my nemesis forever. All Come right. You now, so in a weird, 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 that we just like, he unloaded a lot of stuff right now. Just There's a lot of emotions that just happened. Serge, can you work a threesome into this, please? No, I, I, well, maybe, because the person that I'm j- constantly jealous of is my wife. Uh, so, no, there will not be a threesome. But uh, the one thing that I, the reason I'm putting my wife, and she, I love her to absolute pieces, uh, but it's you not two. that she always gets. It's me. I always get in the way of my own success because I'm success- so successful. I married my best friend, and I, she's an inspiration to me every day. It's no, 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 Listen no, no. It's not that. It's that whenever I make a friend, 
and they like me and they want to hang out with me and you know I'm able to be my own funny regular old self then they meet my wife and suddenly they're like ooh is there a way that I can hang out with Rebecca they always bypass me to want to go hang out with my wife cuz she is clear I mean the lady she's talented she's appropriate she's she's classy all the things that I am not okay but I have personality and I'm worth something too but every single person I meet is like oh but such is great such is great he's hilarious but oh Rebecca is a Rebecca oh she's amazing and I just want why can't I be the star once in a while I think the key definition in what you just said was appropriate yeah <laughs> yeah well, that's all for today's draft episode. I can't so, find hey, Bart on Facebook. So, hey, quick question. Are we calling any of our correspondents today? I don't know Quite what the literally the last them. words out of my mouth were, that's it for today's <laughs> draft episode. We can edit it in. And as I say, we can edit it in. I mean, yeah, Lars right, yeah, can Lars edit can, it in. Lars can hang out for another half hour. Um, I'm, so, I'm, try, I'm not, like, totally invested in trying to find Bart. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back probably sometime during training camp. Um, to talk about how this roster is shaping out. At the time, we'll we'll know for sure whether or not Shady's. Well, we won't know for sure actually. We'll we'll probably be closer to understanding what his role is, if any. I was actually kind of surprised they didn't trade him yesterday. I thought that there was there might have been an opportunity to like trade him straight up for like somebody's fifth or sixth round pick. Uh, but of course, they'd have to take on his salary. But you know, we'll wait. I'm pretty sure that that uh, prediction is going to come to fruition. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Twitter. Just search for Bills and Beers. There's like a million ways to publish and find podcasts that we're not plugged into, and I would love some help <coughs> uh, getting happen. that stuff out there. Because uh, people are like, oh, are you on blah, blah, blah platform? I'm like, uh, fuck all if I know. I just search for us on iTunes. Yeah, exactly. Who These people that think they're so trendy. Oh, are you on this platform? Just go to freaking iTunes. I mean, I think iTunes is where like 85% of just podcasts are downloaded. Except the Monopoly. So as, as we're talking about... Bullseyes. I think we're, you know, taking a big shot at the big one. Uh, but until then, until next time, um, I'm almost done with my Sauvignon Blanc here. So, uh, probably time to call it a day. Let's do it. We'll talk to you guys soon. Go Bills. Nice. Finally. The trick is holding it by the stem. Let's go, Buffalo. Let's go, Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna shout.